Welcome to the Bayou City Soccer Podcast. Whether inside or outside the loop, we are talking everything soccer in Houston. Y'all ready? Let's get it. Houston, welcome to a special episode of the Bayou City Soccer Podcast that we like to call Orange Talk. My name is Rudy Segura, and alongside Joey Chavala, we are joined by Houston Dynamo's technical director, Asher Mendelson. Asher, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, before we get started, um, I would just like to personally thank you. Uh, as you may, you may not, rem- not remember this, but uh, in the beginning of the year, uh, we transitioned from SV Nation, Dynamo Theory, to now what is Bayou City Soccer. And uh, you were one of the first people to reach out with some pretty kind words uh, whenever we were doing this transition. So um, just wanted to let you know that. And and then we really felt appreciated and supported uh, by the club in 2023. So, again, really grateful for those kind words. Well, that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, in the end, we're really appreciative of, of you guys covering the team, you know, through the good times and, and the bad times. Um, but in the end, it's, it's the passion that you guys bring that's infectious and it helps grow our fan base. And that's a big priority of ours. So really appreciate all the work that you guys are doing. I'm glad that glad that you uh you found a second life in this new podcast yeah for sure uh and so okay with uh 2023 uh for the houston dynamo was a very interesting one to say the least uh you guys bring in a new head coach do a massive overhaul of the roster uh ben olsen has said you know the team maybe surpassed his expectations last season is that kind of how you feel as well asher you know i think um i think the short answer is yes um, and, and I'm really bad at giving short answers. Um, so I, I would say, <clears throat> you know, last year in a lot of ways was like an expansion year for us, given how much we changed. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned the roster overhaul. You know, the, the number of player moves in and out that we did last winter was more than St. Louis, who was entering their first season. You know, and you add on to that that we brought in not just Ben, who, who was a huge hire for us, but we brought in over 15 staff members just for the first team. You know, plus we, we built out an analytics department. We built out um, an international scouting department. We hired a new academy GM. I mean, this was last winter was an overhaul of the club. Uh, I think the, if you'd asked me at that point, you know, would we have had as an attractive style of play as we finished the season with, uh, lifted one of the, you know, uh, a major trophy for the club, and had gone as, and made a deep playoff run, I, I would have told you uh, that that would have surpassed my expectations at that point. So I, I think it's a it's a fair fair comment by Ben. I would agree with it. Yeah, and of course, uh, you guys make it all the way to the uh, Western Conference Final against LAFC, just falling short of an MLS Cup appearance. But, you know, 48 hours after that, you have to make a tough decision on the roster. Uh, you give away, um, you know, basically your decisions on, on certain players. How difficult is that? You know, and you obviously that's directly, I guess, your job between you and, and Pat, uh, just trying to make those right decisions going forward uh, with the team that is there. It, it is hard because, you know, we, we loved our locker room this year. We had a great a great group of guys, you know, and it was a constant theme. You know, when we, we, we flew back from L.A. through the night, 
and landed at like four in the morning. And, and at 10 a.m. the next morning, we had to meet with all the all the players individually. And we did that, you know, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at night um, to let them know about their contracts because the league tell you know the league is mandated that they have to communicate to the players by by one o'clock the day after their final game, which is you know that's tough on the players because you go from this moment where everyone's together fighting for the same cause and then you know and then unfortunately we have to share some bad news with a few players the next day and on a human level that's it's hard um and i think that the one thing that that you know pat and i keep coming back to when we have to make those decisions is what's what's the best for this group as we go forward knowing that you know the way a salary cap league is set up we're if you have success you can't keep everybody really you know because uh you know guys earn new contracts they, they earn more money, you know, they deserve more money based on the performances that they gave us. Um, and, you know, we can't give that to everybody. And that's, that's a hard part of the job, um, but it's a necessary part of the job to keep the club healthy and to achieve our ultimate goal, which is to sustainably recreate years like this year. I know at the contract decisions, you had two players at a contract with Dorsey and Baird, and you guys already re-signed Dorsey. Just how big of a move is that for you guys? And then... Anything on Baird with his future? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the Dorsey move was one of our, our main priorities this offseason. And, you know, it, it, for two for two reasons. One is, you know, what he gave us on the field. You know, when you look at the evolution of our team over the last year, uh, over the last season, you know, we really, you know, hit our stride and figured out kind of what the game model would ideally look like when we put Dorsey in the lineup uh, around League's Cup and then stuck with that through the, the last third of the season. And you really saw kind of how the, the game model came to life when we got more penetration on the right side and deeper penetration. And it really balanced our attack more and opened up more space for others. So his, you know, the contributions he did on the field really, you know, were, were, were vital to the success that we had last year. And so re-signing him was really important. But there's another side of this as well, which is, you know, Dorsey is a, he's a loved figure in our locker room. He's a respected figure, and he, he is because of the work that he puts in every single day and the attitude he has every single day. It's really, you know, it's a, it's a model that we want young players in our club to look up to and try to emulate because he's a guy who does things the right way, and it's noticed. It's noticed by our staff, it's noticed by his teammates, and when you have a guy who's doing those things, you want to figure out a way to keep him around. So... I'm glad that we were able to to, to find a new deal for him, uh, one that keeps him at the club, uh, and one that, that gives him some really great incentives if he does well and continues doing well for us. Um, you know, Baird's it bears a little bit of a different different circumstance. You know, we've been in constant contact with his agent um, leading into the into the off season, um, and it's an unfortunate one where, you know, he's a guy who who like teenage Adebe, if we had the cap space you'd love to keep him around and you'd love to keep him involved. And, you know, it's at the same time, he had a really good year and he deserves a good contract. Um, and so it's the balance between, you know, can he go find that somewhere else and, and wouldn't you know, fault him for, for going and taking a great offer somewhere else. Um, you know, or can we figure out a way to squeeze him into our current cap, which is pretty tight right now. And so we're kind of stuck in that limbo in the moment. Um, but he's, an, he's a he had a he's a good guy. He's a good in our locker room. He had a, he had a really good season, um, and so uh, if, if uh, you know he's gonna he was he was an important part of what we did last year. 
And now you got Sebas coming back. You had Thor extend for another year. You guys drafted Anora Giamfi, if I'm saying that right. And then you still have uh, Aliu and Zeke Soto with the second team. How will the striker room look this coming season? Yeah, it's going to be a competition for sure. We have a lot of different options uh, for Ben and the staff to take a look at in the preseason. Um, you know, we we anticipate as of now that Sebastian Ferrer will be back with us in preseason. Um, he's motivated to come back and, and have a you know have a strong season with us. Um, and you know, we, we look forward to seeing him on uh, you know when when the guys report back in mid January. Um, you know, having said that, you know, Aliu showed some real uh, real glimpses of, of promise last season. Um, you know, he's in a lot of ways he's he's a he's a pro, he's a model striker for what we're looking for. Um, you know, but he uh, you know he, we we think there's another level that he can hit next year. And a little bit of an off season, a little time off. He, he got married during this off season. Um, you know, he coming back fresh will be good for him. And then we have a number of young a young strikers. You know, Thor is one that uh, we I still don't think we've seen his his highest level. Um, he's based on the, the talent that he has. Um, so he's one that, that has, will have another shot. Um, we drafted a Nor out of the University of Virginia. He's an electric player. Uh, we, we were shocked, frankly, that he fell as far as he did on, our, on the draft. He was really high on our draft board. Um, and so he's an exciting one to take a look at. Um, Zeke Soto is an interesting one. He, he was being looked at by the under-17 national team as a striker. We actually don't see that as his position. We see him being a little lower in the field and a little more of a attacking mid type type role and and he's going to get opportunities and reps to, to with uh, specifically probably with our second team next year uh, to try to show himself in that spot <clears throat> um, so we have a, a few different options for the for the staff to look at and uh, you know it but it's it's still uh, you know it's still an area that we know you know we need to bolster this year yeah so uh, going back a little bit to uh, what you mentioned about the MLS super draft maybe not necessarily thinking you were going to land a GA player so low in the, uh, in the first round, but um, all those guys, you know, that's something that whenever you pick up players like that, you're trying to maybe gauge them to go straight into maybe a dynamo two uh, from the get go or always thinking, you know, maybe first team players from, you know, as soon as you are able to pick up, somebody like that maybe like Anor Giafi with it, how talented he is as a as a striker yeah you know it's it's an interesting one I think uh, one of Ben's strengths is that he he'll play the guy who he thinks will help the team win and if that's a GA draft pick or a DP or you know uh, a YPS he he doesn't look at that as much as he looks at who's the guy who's going to help this team win and so that's a great position for a young GA draft pick to be in coming into a new group and, and, uh, and trying to prove himself at this level because he'll get a fair shot. I mean, he'll get a, he'll get a fair look. And the nice thing about Next Pro is um, the jump from college to being on the field in MLS is a big jump. And very, very few players can make that jump right away. I mean, it's usually a handful every year, and that's it. And so for the guys who don't do that, uh, Next Pro is a great option for them to, to still get minutes. Because I remember the days, and it wasn't too long ago, before Next Pro, where you had these players who, who trained for 
250 days a year and only played in a couple games. And that's not a great uh, recipe for development. And so NextPro gives them a, a platform to, to not just be training, but also to be getting games and, uh, and to be, be put in positions where they're winning games with their teammates. And that's important for development. And so it's great having that NextPro pro, pro platform, you know, for not just our draft picks, but also our academy kids. Uh, and also some of the other players on our, our senior roster who just need minutes. And, and we uh, we are a big believer in that. Uh, we've been a beneficiary of it. I mean, when you look at Mikael's development and Next Pro and the ability for him to step into our lineup based on being in our club for over a year and getting those games, um, you know, and you look at some of these young academy kids coming through, it's, uh, it's a great platform. And it's one I think we're just scratching the surface on what it can do for the club. Yeah, and I guess uh, continuing on that, that uh, a Dynamo doses specifically, I guess, not just purely academy, but uh, we don't necessarily hear not a lot of news uh, on kind of what's happening with that roster build, and I guess it's it's understandable. Um, but, you know, will, will Kenny Bundy continue as a head coach going into 2024? And, uh, you know, kind of what can we expect for Dynamo 2? Yeah, Kenny Kenny has done a great job with that group over the last two years, and uh, he's under contract. And you know, as of today, we're, we're anticipating him coming back as the head coach. Uh, I say that just because this is also the silly season, and stuff happens, um, so there, there are no guarantees. But uh, but he's under contract with us, and uh, and we think he's done a great job. And so um, you know, our, our our plan is for him to continue as the head coach. Um, you know, in terms of the roster build, you know, Nick Koba and Kenny. I've done a really good job of, uh, of taking a, a new look at that roster for this offseason. Um, we had a, a veteran veteran by Next Pro standards core that went through a two-year cycle with uh, Next Pro, made the playoffs two years in a row, uh, created a great training and, and culture around the team that was really good for some of our academy kids to come and get exposed to. And, um, <clears throat> and now, as we look at this next year, we're replacing some of those veterans with some new players. Um, and, you know, like I said, Nick's worked really hard trying to find some more Mikael-type talents. Um, he's been scouting around the world over the last few months um, to try to create a bridge for those kids to come in and get a chance with our club. And, uh, and so I think uh, the, the second-team roster is going to look pretty different next year than it has the last couple years, um, which is a healthy thing. I mean, it's a good... It's a good thing for a developmental team to get some turnover, um, and uh, but at the same time, we want we want Kenny and the group to keep that culture going because we think that's the strength of what that program's been built on. Yeah, and of course, following a lot of those guys from Dynamo Two, just you know, via their social media, basically saying goodbye to Houston, so we kind of have an idea of some of the guys that won't be there next year. And uh, one of them, I guess, it was pretty noticeable was Isaiah Isaiah Lafleur. Uh, ended up getting a deal with Philadelphia Union. Um, was this his departure uh, because of the lack, maybe a tactical fit or just position being overcrowded in the first team, you'd think, um, Asher? Yeah, I think that's an astute observation. I mean, I think it was, uh, first of all, Isaiah is a great kid, um, and he he put a, a he had a great attitude and a great uh, work ethic you know, with our second team and, and contributed to that team's success. Um, he's a tricky one because he's a player who, who in the right circumstances, you know, could make it an MLS and could be an MLS player. Um, the challenge on our side is that we have, um, 
you know, we have a lot of left backs on our first team roster. Um, and we have, you know, one of the, the more promising left backs coming out of college uh, as a homegrown. And so it, it became a, uh, for us, it became a, I don't, a situation where I'm not sure we could have given Isaiah what he wanted, um, what he was looking for. And it made the most sense to try to help him on the next step of his career. Um, you know, I wish him well because he, he really, uh, he was, he was really good to work with. And I think when you talk to the second team, you hear a lot of the same sentiment that you know he's a he's a quality guy and, and he's someone who we want to do really well, especially because he's going to the East. All right, you got Brooklyn Reigns, Sebastian Rodriguez, and now a new draft pick, Celia. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Usman, yeah, Usman. Okay, and all these yeah. young midfielders, how will they be able to <laughs> compete for minutes with the first team? With the first team already having a very stacked midfield. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's no it's no surprise, no secret that our central midfield was the strength of our first team this year. Um, you know, I think that that's been the engine of that group, um, and we have some really high level players in, in starting spots there. Between, you know, in our box midfield, you have Hector and Artie on the bottom of the box. You have Coco Karaskia and I mean Bossy at the top of the box. I mean, those are hard guys to displace. Um, you know, one thing that will be a part of the evolution of our second team next year is is that you can expect to see our, our second team playing more and more similar to our first team. Um, and, you know, that's an important progression for the club. And so there's lots of minutes in the second team for, for players to continue to get reps in those spots. Um, but the other side of it is that um, we're going to play a lot of games next year. Um, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, the expectation isn't that, that that those four central midfielders on the first team are going to get every minute. Um, you know, it's just not that's not realistic. And so there's going to be opportunities for guys to step in and show what they can do with the first team. And the question then becomes, how do they take those opportunities? And you see examples, and I go back to him, Mikael, who took the opportunity and ran with it. Uh, and you see other guys who step in and, and, you know, and they have some growing pains, and that's normal. And so... Um, but that's where the second team is so vital and so useful for their development is that uh, it prepares them for when those moments come that they can make the most of it. And so a number of the players that you listed, I think, fall in that category. And you guys, uh, since you and Pat have taken over, there's been a lot of movement when it comes to fullbacks on both sides. And a lot of them have come in and not really played much or left after a short period of time. What were some of the hurdles with the recruitment of some of those players and what steps are being taken to really get the right fit going forward in those players? That's a great question. An interesting observation. I, you know, I, didn't, I, I wouldn't, you know, I think our fullbacks, um, in the end, we, we've had, we were very happy with what our fullback situation looked like with Dorsey on the right. Uh, Escobar is the type of guy you just want to find a spot for him on the field every game because he's such a warrior and such a competitor. Um, you know, it happened to be left back. Um, and I, he did that, that role really, really effectively. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of some of the other, other fullbacks who we brought in, I think every one of them is a unique case. I mean, you think you look at Azeka, you know, from last year or from two years ago, you know, he was a guy who we brought in as a free agent. Uh, we knew it would be a little bit of a, of a risk of whether he'd adapt or not. Um, but it was also, he was on a low number and he was, he had a, you know, one year commitment and, uh, and we took a shot at him, and you know it didn't. It wasn't the best. Uh, it wasn't the best fit. Like we'll, we'll acknowledge that. You know, looking back on it, that you know, he wasn't going to be. He, he ended up not being our long-term solution. 
Um, but then you look at a guy like Tate Schmidt, who earned a contract in last preseason, and we thought actually started the season very well uh, until he had a, a pretty bad injury against San Jose from a nasty tackle, um, which is you know, not that's something that's outside of his control. Brad Smith, we knew we were bringing him in, uh, knowing that he needed to finish the last stages of his recovery from uh, from an ACL injury. So, um, you know, that was that was not a surprise that it took him uh, some time to get back into the roster. But um, you know, but he's another guy who, you know, being in and around the club and, and his winning mentality and his understanding of how to win in the playoffs was really valuable for our group. So, um, so you know, I think every one of those is a case by case. Um, uh, some of them are, are bad luck, frankly, when you look at the tape. Some of them are, you know, we knew there was some risk involved in it. Um, you know, but in the end, you know, I like our two fullbacks. You know, I like the two guys who ended the season at fullback. And I think a lot of teams, I mean, we get calls from a lot of teams about their interest in them. So I think, you know, our view on, on having who we, who we have playing there now is, is, you know, it's pretty positive. We feel pretty good about it. And uh, one of the little criticisms with the team last season was there was a bit of a – wasn't really many offensive game changers to bring off the bench in those big games like LAFC. Are there any plans to maybe bring in some experienced playmakers or wingers to make some difference off the bench? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think um, I think when you look at um, you know when you look at the teams that make deep runs in, in MLS and in MLS Cups, they're usually getting a lot of offensive output from their DPS. Um, you know, our DPS last year. You know, obviously we had. Sebastian on loan for the second half of the year. We had Teenage Adebe, who had a long-term injury uh, and came back right at the end of the season. And then we had Hector, who had what we think was an MVP, league MVP quality season. Um, so it's no surprise that, that we're looking to get more offensive output out of those DP slots. I think that's important if we're going to take the next step in the evolution of our club. Um, but that, you know, that could be Sebastian Ferreira coming back in. And, you know, one of the nice things about uh, where how we evolved over the course of the year is you know, Sebastian's a player who needs service. Um, he's an excellent finisher in the box. He, had, he demonstrated that in our league, in Mexico, in Paraguay. Um, but he's not a player who necessarily creates his own shots very often. And so, But we're a team that creates a lot of opportunities for our strikers. And so you know, I think the team has evolved to a point that actually uh, you know, is, is, provides him with the service that he needs to be successful and if he can take advantage of that opportunity and come in you know really focused and motivated in the preseason then I think he, he actually could be you know he could he could have a very productive season for us and so um, but having said that we're also you know we have a DP spot that's open um, and uh, and we there's a few different scenarios that we are contemplating how to use it all of those scenarios are, are looking at it from an offensive standpoint I'm talking about the other Sebas was Sebastian Kavolshuk. He kind of seemed like a next year type of signing when he came in. And how does he fit into the Dynamo puzzle going forward? Or what are his expectations for this year? Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody kind of says, "Well, how is this this guy going to?" You know, not just Seba, but you know, when we sign Amin, when we have Coco, you know, people say, "Well, how are you going to keep putting central midfielders on the field?" Um, but you know, part of the formula that, that's worked really well for us is is having high quality footballers. Um, playing together and having a good relationship and understanding with each other. And then you see some of the quality of football that, that we ended the season with, um, you know, where a lot of it's based on relationship and, and individual quality within a team structure that Ben sets up. And Sebastian Kowalczyk is one that, that fits that really well. I mean, I, I've never, you know, we had some concerns about him coming in and his adaptation because he'd only, 
lived in his hometown and played in his hometown his whole life. And we're wondering how is this kid from, from, you know, Western Poland going to adapt to Houston. And I, and I kid you not within a month, he's speaking Spanish with all of our players. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Um, his adaptation has been phenomenal and, and just, you know, a wonderful person to have in our group. And, and I think when you have, when you see a guy creating those relationships off the field, they tend to translate onto the field, especially in a creative playmaking role. And so, you know, he's one that uh, is another interesting piece that we can use in, in our box midfield. Um, and you're right. I mean, we, we brought him in uh, late in the, you know, in the, win- in the summer window. Um, there were some scenarios where players may have left, moved out, and, and in which case we would have leaned on him more heavily earlier. Um, but everyone ended up staying. And so, uh, you know, it limited some of his opportunities on the field. But, you know, we see it every day in training with him. He's, he's, you know, he's an excellent trainer. He's effective in, in our training sessions. He's creative. He creates goals, um, and uh, and so I think there's a there's a spot for him in our in our plans for next year. So we'll, you know, and like I said, we got a lot of games. So uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And is it correct that both the draft picks you brought in are both uh, international players? And if that's the case, how does that uh, <laughs> their international roster spots affect their playing time and first team opportunities for this next year? Yeah, um, they are both international players. Um, you know, it is something that we, we need to juggle next year. Um, you know, I think we carry, um, I think by the end it was 13 or 14 internationals with the first team um, on first-team contracts, and a number of them obviously got most of their minutes with the second team, which is how we balance that. Um, you know, this year we'll have less. We'll have less total internationals um, in our group, and so it'll be less prohibitive for players if they deserve it to, to be on first team rosters um it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an impediment for them uh, having said that um you know we know we have a certain number of international spots in our second team and and you know it, it allows us to to move players developmental players up and down and make sure they're still getting minutes and and we have you know the international spots to do that so uh it's something that again it's another benefit of having a, an effective second team is that we, it allows us to take some more chances on on international young players. Okay, we're getting close to the end, Asher. But, uh, you know, you guys have always uh, talked about maybe getting getting players that are winners or in the past have won something. And, you know, how important is it finding a player that fits that prof- profile that you want and not just be the best player out there? And I guess a two-parter, you know, obviously uh, building the roster for, for next season and and being that 2023 wasn't just a blip yeah i mean that's the big that's the 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 question that keeps me up at night it keeps pat up at night um i hope ben's sleeping a little easier after this last season but we might be keeping him up at night at this point which is how do we you know how do we make sure last year wasn't a blip how do we build on last year build on the foundation that we laid last year um you know but avoid the trap you see a lot of teams that you know have had bad have had tough spells and they have one good year have a hard time maintaining uh, something we've looked at, something we've studied, something we've talked to people around the world about in terms of how do you maintain a winning culture and, and winning results. Um, and, you know, we have a few strategies going into next season to try to address it. Um, you know, I think it, for us to change the history of the club, we needed winners in the group. We needed people who, who brought that to the club. Um, and I think that's still a priority for us, but at a certain point, we, we will shake that history. History, we'll have a new history, and that history will be about winning. 
And so, you know, the environment um, that we're creating is will be creating winners. And, and a good example of that is, you know, when, when Kenny uh, asked the group, the second team, heading into the, uh, their do-or-die game against Galaxy last season where they needed to win the game to make the next pro playoffs or have a chance of making it. And he asked all the players in the room, and most of them had come through the uh, Dynamo Academy. And he asked them, he said, how many of you guys have played in the playoff before? None of the Academy kids raised their hand. Now, that's the type of stuff that we need to change in our club. And, you know, this is where people talk about development versus winning. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that it's not a choice of either or, it's an and. Because part of our role in developing players and developing teams is developing winners. And, you know, part and one way to do that is bringing exa- good examples of winners into the building so that they can show other people what it, what it takes and what it's and But then after, you know, if we do that long enough, then those young players, they'll, they'll have a better understanding of what winning, what it takes to win. And they'll, they'll be winners. And the need to bring them from outside is less important than it is right now. But for right now, it's still a central theme to, to what we look for in, in people coming in. Um, next year, it's probably just as important, if not more important, than last year. Because, um, you know, when we, talk, when we talk to people from the top clubs around the world, and we say, well, how do you decide which of your players do you keep and which ones do you not keep? You know, that's, you know so that the, the, the group stays hungry. They say, look, the, the, real, the real winners, they, you don't need to motivate them year to year because they want to win everything. They, want, they get mad if they lose a training session. They get mad if they lose a game of chess in the, in the, in the, in the, in the locker room. You know, they, they want to win everything. They don't need you to, to put a motivation in there. And, you know, what's nice is we have a lot of those guys in our club right now, and so I think that, that sets us up for a good foundation for next year, and now we just got to keep building on it. Okay, I guess you know in your position, uh, Asher, you, you're big, uh, big part of the team. Not necessarily maybe out there in every single transition session, and and why not? But um, you know, without you trying to build the team, it's it's difficult to go anywhere. But how has it, you know, maybe even for you and working alongside SRC, uh, maybe help broaden and define it? You know, the scouting pool at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's the, the work that we've been doing has, has been the result of a lot of people's contributions. And, you know, and I think when you look at a group like SRC, you know, that's it's necessary for uh, a successful club in, in today's, today's day to have an analytic component. You know, and, and the analogy I use a lot is, you know, um, we're, you know, it's like having, you know, one of your five senses. You, know, you don't you don't rely just on sight to make make observations and, and, and you know make decisions. You combine you know how do things look and smell and feel and you know and in some cases taste. You know it's it's another one of your senses. Um, and, and analytics is like that. You know it's like having another another one of your senses. Um, and so to not have it is means that you have to rely more heavily on other senses and you don't get as complete a picture. And so. SRC, you know, was a really good solution for us because you have high-quality people uh, who are based here in Houston, who have great experience in our league and abroad, um, and they give us a really they gave us a really good solution very quickly so that we can make better and more informed decisions. Um, we've been really happy with how that partnership's been going, and 
And you know, as we move forward, we want to integrate more and more of, of their insights into more of our decisions. And that's that's a, where Pat and I are both big believers in, in making sure we're using that perspective, but balancing that with the other perspectives we're getting as well, so we get a complete picture, so we can make the best decisions. Okay, and uh, there's a lot of turmoil on the status of you know MLS participating in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the possible changes and maybe just the uh, the good potential or opportunity for younger players within the Dynamo organization of getting playing time. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really comment on, on the Open Cup and where things will land on it. I think that's happening. Those conversations are happening more at the league and federation level. Um, we're, we're waiting to see how it plays out, and, and then we'll make, um, you know, we'll make, you know, our, uh, we'll make the best decisions we can based on our our second team group, our first team group, based on how things play out. Um, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, it's uh, for our second team in particular, it's great that it gives them opportunities to play competitive, meaningful matches. That's true for our academy as well. Anytime we, need, we can put our kids in positions of pressure, um, it's, it'll help further and accelerate their development. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, there's not a lot of trophies that, that can go around in the league. Um, and if we have an opportunity to win one, we're going to go try to win it um, because it, it's getting harder and harder as the league continues to grow uh, to be a team that gets to lift one of those at the end of the year. So, again, no no specific comment on, on the Open Cup, but uh, but just, you know, we're waiting to, to get the news of, of, kind of how that's going to play out this year, and then we'll react accordingly. Totally understandable. And, uh, you know, thanks again uh, for joining us here in Bayou City Soccer, uh, especially so close to the holidays. Asher, if you have any... Uh, you know, early Christmas presents for the listeners. Feel free to, you know, let them know. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, we wish you nothing but the best in 2024, Asher. Thanks again. I appreciate you guys. And uh, hope, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. All right. Take care. Take care, guys. Merry Christmas.